Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common. Go head-to-head to see which one does it better. And welcome to our continuing Indiana Mania, as we cover all four indie movies on this week's episodes. In the red corner, we named the dog Indiana. Sean Connery joins the Indiana Jones universe as Henry Jones Sr. Salah is back, and so are those bloody Nazis, as Indy is on a globe-trotting quest to find the Holy Grail in 1989's The Last Crusade. We're about to complete a great quest, the Holy Grail, Dr. Jones. Oh, rats. This is it. The shield is the second mark. We found it. Indiana Jones is on the quest of a lifetime. But for some adventures, one Jones is not enough. Dad? Junior? Don't call me that, please. Follow me. I know the way. While in the blue corner, we told you we were going there. Is it time? for a reappraisal of those CGI gophers, ancient aliens and Kate Blanchett's accent, or has this movie forever nuked the fridge? From 2008, we finally arrived at Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Legend says that a crystal skull was stolen from a mythical lost city in the Amazon, supposedly built out of solid gold, guarded by the living dead. Whoever returns the skull to the city temple will be given control over its power. You will help us find it. The Indiana Mania continues right now. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken. Hello, Clash Butters. Germany has declared war on the Jones boys. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. 
How are you both? Excellent. Excellent. Great. Yeah, really well. Yeah. Another, another pastel number. Really? Yeah. This isn't pastel. What is it then? Red and white. Which together make? Pink. <laughs> oh, hello. And uh, Chris, are we officially sponsored by Pixar? No, I'm just wearing a Pixar t-shirt. You look really nice, actually. And you're wearing shorts as well, which um, is something I will never do. Yes, I'm nearing actually maybe wearing flip-flops Please so I can do. chuck them off and have my feet out for next week's show, maybe. I'm, I know it's making you uncomfortable, but I'm so happy in my sandals. <laughs> we could both be barefoot. We, we should touch feet and see what happens to him. <laughs> Explode. <laughs> don't <laughs> touch the feet. It's like don't cross the streams. The thing is, you wearing shorts, because I'm not a fan of shorts, but you wearing shorts actually is not a problem for me because you yeah. have such thick hair. Yeah. It actually looks like furry trousers. Yeah, yeah. That's how we work. Mm. We talk about the monkeys on Thursday. Are you excited about this week's shows? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so um, we're going to ditch the... Uh, connection section this week. I will say, just to fill you in, if you're only just joining us, this week it is Crusade and Kingdom joining the fight for the title of the greatest Indiana Jones movie of all time. We will have a champion on Thursday. Big day for the show on Thursday. Big day. Declaring the greatest Indiana Jones movie ever. Big day for Indy as well. Now, I've always wanted to know, factually, which is the best Indiana Jones movie and I'm so pleased that it's us that are going to be getting to announce that. Yeah, I think I think Stephen, George, and Harrison are all excited to yep. hear the verdict. Yep, absolutely. Um, so, Chris, you did ask for something on Twitter because we're not doing guesses. No need to do guesses. No guesses. But you did uh, ask for something on Twitter. We are at ClashPod on Twitter. We are also at Instagram on Twitter. No. At Clashford on Instagram. Yeah, I asked our lovely listeners and followers what their favourite indie movie was and if they had any special memories of watching them. Mm, so I'll do the ones for... I'll start the, the Last Crusade uh, ones. This is from Ryan D. It has to be Last Crusade. That is the best indie movie. Connery and Ford on screen together were fantastic. I was seven years old when I first saw it on VHS and I loved it. Made me fall in love with Indiana Jones and Spielberg. It just pips Raiders because of Connery. Uh, this is from Peter Mahoney. I think The Last Crusade is my favourite. I think it has the best action and the most interesting story. Meeting the night at the end and having to make that choice is brilliant. Uh, Marion sent us a lovely long email. I've just pulled out one anecdote that I liked particularly. Uh, she says, I remember st on the way to watch the film, this anecdote happens, I remember stopping by some sort of antique shop before the cinema and the man who was working there, hearing we were going to see the latest Indiana Jones, pulled a hat almost identical and a whip from a side shelf and started to imitate my then and now hero. <laughs> Did you have sex with him? <laughs> I think she might have been a child. Oh, shit. <laughs> wow. I'm not sure, Marion, but I just wanted to yeah. put be, that out I there. mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, nice, V. Nice. Uh, <laughs> with a tone. Jesus. Uh, Paul Logue says, Last Crusade for me. First one gave me the heebie-jeebies for at least a year with the melting faces up there with Superman 3's Robot Woman. How do you feel about that, Chris? <laughs> Not up, no. Nothing's as bad as that. Uh, Robert Foley says, It has to be Crusade for the fake-out opening with the inspirational legend that is Fedora, an introduction to Indy's idiosyncrasies, the globetrotting fun and heartfelt deconstruction of the father-slash-son relationship in one fantastic film. What did I get from it? True class and illumination. Normally, I don't like it when people ask themselves questions, but I liked that. Yes, I think that's our, 
I mean, he's done our job for us. That's yes, better than what we're going to say in the next hour. Yeah, uh, and finally, this comes from Gary. Uh, Crusade is one of my earliest cinema memories, so holds a special place for me. And I honestly think it's a near perfect film. Like every week, though, I can't wait for the three of you to point out all the terrible things I've missed. <laughs> Victoria. What? That's, uh, that's you. Um, right. Got, yeah, it's in my notes. Sorry. Of course you do. Uh, so let's crack on then. On Thursday, I'll be swinging through the jungle into the kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <sighs> Which means today, Chris is seeing if he chose poorly with The Last Crusade. Chris takes on a journey. In an effort to distance themselves from the darkness of Temple of Doom, Steven Spielberg and George Lucas concocted a much lighter story in which Indiana Jones searches for the Holy Grail. He starts by desecrating the corpse of a knight and burning his tomb, killing thousands of innocent rodents in the process. Our hero then kills several men who had dedicated their lives to protecting the Grail, sleeps with his father's girlfriend, asks Adolf Hitler for an autograph, gets his dad shot, steals some crockery and destroys an old man's house. Indiana Jones then rides off into the sunset. <laughs> see what I've done there? Uh, I see what you did there, yeah. I also, I also saw the minute where you mentioned rodent deaths, Victoria rolled her fucking <laughs> eyes. She's like, oh God, Whatever. set Alex off. Poor animals. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that. Um, but first, rather than describe my memory... I'm going to read out another listener's, if that's okay with you guys. I love seeing Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade at the cinema. I can remember waiting in the foyer and there were posters and cardboard cutouts of the film everywhere, which really added to the anticipation. I also remember needing the lube, but holding it in as the film was so awesome and being scared shitless when the slick Nazi professor gets really old and disintegrates. He chose poorly, but that day me and my brother didn't. And that memory comes from Peter Tilly. My brother. Oh. Because we watched it together Aww. in 1989. So his memory is my memory as well. That's lovely. Oh, so yes. nice. Um, uh, so for me, it's up there with E.T., Batman and Jurassic Park. It's like so my favourite ever cinema trip. Like a hive mind, you and your brother. <laughs> <laughs> like the aliens at the end of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. They're a hive mind. How about you two, Vicky? I don't remember. I don't, I don't think I went to the cinema to see it. I, I know it's the, the, the one I've seen second most after Temple. Um, I've just got nothing but good memories of it. I think my dad really liked it, like a proper family favourite. Um, and there is no feeling for me like sitting down to watch this film. Like it's just my comfiest watch. Cozy. Um, yeah, I really love it. Alex, top four cinema trips for you as well, like me? A hundred percent. Yeah. I remember going to the cinema to see this. This is the first Indiana Jones movie that I saw at the cinema, obviously. And um, and yeah, I... Uh... I, the way I was, I was, sort of, I was taking myself back to it, and I remember exactly where I was. I was sitting on the probably about four rows back at the Odeon in Leeds, next to my friend James Jolly, and just giddy with excitement in a way that you uh, you have as a child that you don't have. The minute you start watching films with a slightly adult eye, with a critical eye, this takes me back to that cinema trip when I was just over the moon, just shoveling popcorn down my face, just going, "I cannot wait for this to start." I'd seen the trailer, and I remember in the trailer. The bit where he goes, some adventures are too big for just one Jones and going, what the fuck? <laughs> there are two of them? <laughs> and being so excited <laughs> by that. And so, yeah, it was just, it was one, one, genuinely one of the most wonderful experiences I've ever had in a cinema watching this movie. I also had the Commodore Amiga game, which was shit, but I loved it because I was controlling Indiana Jones. Big film for me. He's all about control, isn't he, Alex? 
<laughs> I mean, the movie's all right, but I couldn't control it. <laughs> right, let's talk about the making of Last Crusade. It has maybe the most complicated history of any indie film, but I'm going to keep it brief. <laughs> How? How? It's insane. I was so pleased that you ended up doing this because I looked through the Wikipedia page and went, holy shit, what? <laughs> I have read the Chris Columbus script. I think I'm going to focus on that because I think that's the most fun way of approaching this. But it begins with George Lucas wanting to do a haunted house movie uh, with Indiana Jones and hiring, romancing the stone writer Diane Thomas to pen the script. How would you feel about a haunted house indie? Uh, would be over the moon. I mean, the castle is a haunted house, no? Yes. Yes. Did we not... Was, it, was this not already discussed for a previous movie where Spielberg poo-pooed it? I think on Temple, wasn't he talking about a, a, a haunted Scottish... Castle, yeah, a haunted yeah. castle in Scotland. Yes. Um, yeah, he said no because he'd just done uh, Poltergeist, which obviously he didn't direct. Mm-hmm. Or did he? No, he Toby Hooper directed. All right. Or did he? Um, oh, right. Very good. So Lucas had brought this up again and then he suggested a Holy Grail story, but Spielberg didn't think that was strong enough. So George says, let me put the haunted castle up front and then go on to the Grail. He wrote a treatment followed by an outline entitled Indiana Jones and the Monkey King. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's <laughs> I don't want to see that. It's a difficult title to pull off, even for Indy. I don't mind it. Really? Indiana Jones yeah. and the Haunted Castle, yes. Indiana Jones and the Castle of Terror, yes. Mm-hmm. Monkey King, no. Well, he hired uh, Chris Columbus, writer of Gremlins, Goonies and Young Sherlock Holmes at the time, uh, to turn it into a script called Indiana Jones and the Garden of Life. So I've read that and it's quite deranged. Um, it's quite different as well to Last Crusade, but elements of it do end up in both Indy 3 and Indy 4. And I think um, some of it might even end up in Indy 5, which is shooting as we record this right. in a castle. Without Spielberg, though. Mm. Without, well, I think he's there, but he's um, yeah. producing rather than directing. Mm. I think he'll be sitting on James Mangold's shoulder like George Lucas sits on his shoulder. Do with. you? Yeah, a triple decker, Lucas and Spielberg. <laughs> well, Lucas won't be there, though, will he? Or will he? I don't think. I think they're doing this without him. I mean, we'll see. And stuff might have been revealed by the time this this goes out. But I feel like this is sort of being kept away from him, like Star Wars was. I know, I know, because he's very vocal about things not going in the direction that he he's probably sort of there waving, <laughs> just locked at the other side of a fence, waving his version of the script, going, "But no, midichlorians." <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'll talk about the bits that ended up in in part four on Thursday, but these are some of my favourite elements from the Chris Columbus script. So uh, Indy travels to Africa and teams up with a beautiful zoologist and a 200-year-old pygmy to find Su Wu Kung, uh, the stone monkey king. Um, The 21-year-old teaching assistant that he's shagging follows them on this adventure, but only (laughs) after... Only after she... Victoria's face. (laughs) It gets worse. Uh, Only after she tries to hang herself with his whip when he's saying he's going to leave without her. Wow. Um, That's played for laughs in the script. Really? And it's quite horrific when I was reading it, to be honest. Um, To be fair, this zoologist, who's closer to his age, calls him out on the age difference because the girl does follow him on the trip, uh, refers to him as a very disturbed man because of it. And she actually never hooks up with him, even though he tries all the way through the film. So this is the the one indie where he wouldn't have got the girl. Right. Um, Remember the mechanical arm that Tote was supposed to have in Raiders? yeah, yeah. Well, a Nazi gets it here. Um, it's a machine gun early in proceedings and it fires electrical current later on. Cool. Um, 
And because they seem to keep reusing uh, elements from scripts that weren't used in those films, mm. I wouldn't be surprised to see that in Indy 5 because it keeps coming back. Yeah. I mean, I'd be happy with it in Indy 5. I think it's a solid idea. Yep. And I can't believe Lucas said to Spielberg for number one, he was like, no, Stephen, that's a, it's a very different kind of movie. <laughs> Aliens. Now, here's an idea. <laughs> Interdimensional beings. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, elsewhere, Indy runs from a giant rolling bell. Um, he uses his whip to water ski. Oh. Uh, yeah, he holds oh. onto the back of the boat with I thought his, you meant yeah, under his feet. <laughs> um, Why would you think that? I don't know. What part of water skiing lends itself to a whip? It's the bit that attaches you to the boat. Yeah, I see that now. Yeah. You should see that then, though. I know. Like, immediately, you should see that. That's hilarious. Also, what that, I've got horrible, horrible die another day images in my head. Yeah, yeah. Um, he fights against, then teams up with some pirates. Um, he hides in some graves alongside skeletons to escape some stampeding wildebeest. He rides a rhino. Um, <laughs> he's, nearly, he's nearly drawn and quartered by some buffalo. Um, As in, like... He's tied. To, he's tied to no. He's tied to a couple of buffalo, and they're gonna oh. they're gonna take Ooh, off his arms and well, legs. That's fun. Sorry, I thought you meant he was captured by buffalo, who were then gonna use other animals to hang drawn. I'm getting to that. Right. He gets attacked by gorillas, who take his clothes and whip and start mimicking him. <laughs> These same gorillas dress up in Nazi uniforms and drive a tank. I sent you that. I sent yeah. you that line from the script. Um, Indy also gets shot and dies um, at the end of the film, but a magical peach brings him back to life. Oh, but a magical what? Peach. A peach? Um, oh, because it's the Garden of Eden. Where, where are we? Uh, we are in... The Garden of Life. Yes. Okay. Um, and I'll discuss that peach um, later on because that does kind of end up in Last Crusade. It's just not a peach. Yep. <laughs> I can't get over Gorilla stealing his, his hat and whip and doing an impression. Ripping of him. the piss out of him. Sarcastic gorillas. Uh, so that specific story was eventually abandoned. Was uh, it? Um, it seems mainly because um, African tribes people are treated quite clumsily there, and Temple of Doom had just come out with just all that cultural yeah. insensitivity. <laughs> and so they were taking something of a battering at the time. So they dropped it. Um, so back to the drawing board. Steven Spielberg wanted to introduce Indy's father and flesh out that relationship to find out who inspired him and try and make it more of a character study. Um, George didn't know how that would work with the Grail, and Spielberg said the search for the father is the search for the Grail. Of course, um, and that got them on track for what we saw in 1989 with Inner Space writer Jeffrey Bohm penning the final script and playwright Tom Stoppard doing an uncredited rewrite. Told you, Jeffrey Bohm, Inner Space, five star movie, brilliant. Great writer. He's annoyed about inner space. I mean, I'm, annoyed, I'm annoyed that I, 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 I don't want to dredge it up, but I did say on the show when we were talking about inner space, it's a five star movie. And then afterwards, when we were in the pub, Victoria went, Are you going to edit that bit out? Because otherwise, I'll feel really sorry for you. <laughs> Is that what I said? That's what you said. That's what you said. So that's if, I, if I'm annoyed, it's more about that. <laughs> you're, both, you're both idiots it was like eight months ago <laughs> uh, um, in terms of casting they decided there was only one person who could play his father and that was the father of Indiana Jones James Bond um, and with Sean Connery on board they changed the character from a more conservative Yoda-like mentor figure into someone who is a match for his son um, as Connery so modestly put it 
anything Indy does, I have done better. <laughs> already. Yeah, he's like, I've already done it and better. Classic Connery. Um, and but that then, said, he's very gracious in the film because he, you know, he does he does play second fiddle for the first time, I think, in, in, in his film career to another action hero. Yeah, and I think it's respect to both of them because as well, Ford isn't afraid to make himself look really stupid in the presence mm. of his dad. Like, he really is sort of undermining his heroic character yeah. all the way through, but I think they both embrace it. Mm. Um, and then it was Lucas who suggested um, starting the film with Indiana Jones as a boy. And Harrison Ford um, is the person who put forward River Phoenix because he said um, he's the actor who looks the most like me when I was that age. Okay. Which is what you would say. Well, <laughs> that, really, yeah. that really beautiful boy. <laughs> <laughs> One of the most beautiful actors in Hollywood. He's the spit of I, me. Yeah. You, there, there are no photos of me at that age, but I swear down that I looked just like him. I mean, Ford's no munter, though. No, he's not. Um, and that's a very potted history of the film. Munter. <laughs> it's like in between us. <laughs> we went back in time. because he's got shorts on. <laughs> Any more? That's that. <laughs> Any more? No. Uh, no, I'm good. Thank you. That was brilliant. Let's do the movie then. Mm. Right. So I divided it up into um, geography, into the places they visit. We start in Utah. The Paramount logo turns into a rock in Utah in 1912. Do you approve of that one, Alex? <laughs> if I'm perfectly honest, it's my weakest, which surprised me. I don't think it's very good. It's just a mountain that looks a bit like the Paramount logo, and we already saw it done better in Raiders. So, yep. no, this is, weirdly, considering this is a great film, it's yep. my least favourite logo transition. Mm. How about you guys? <laughs> I, I really, I, I genuinely... I genuinely like, do I have to have an opinion on <laughs> no, this? No, I, I mean, it really, it really genuinely doesn't matter. And I'm, I'm, I'm already, re- I'm already regretting asking you. <laughs> Why did you? You knew I would have an opinion on it. <laughs> we meet fake Indy uh, before we meet real Indy. So good. Mm. Uh, he simply called Fedora in the script, mm-hmm. and he finds a cross. Uh, and then we meet real Indy, who is a child played by River Phoenix, um, who finds him and goes to work. And he is a lot like Harrison Ford here. Yeah, he's doing a Harrison Ford impression. But, but quite a good, good one. Yeah, it's it a good works. one. It was making me feel like I was watching Young Indiana Jones because I didn't think he looked like him, unlike Harrison, but I felt like I was in the presence of him. Yeah. Um, he, he played Harrison Ford's son in Mosquito Coast. Right. And he said that he'd sort of studied him in his traits and felt like he knew him. So, yeah, there's a chase on a circus train. So he, good. He ends up in a serpent cart and he, he screams like Harrison Ford <laughs> and he becomes traumatised. Yep. So we're sneaking that in. Um, he ends up in the lion cart, grabs a whip, cuts his chin with the whip. We got the whip. We got the scar. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes into a magic cart. That's not connected to anything. <laughs> but he tricks himself out of the train and runs away. And then we hear... Sean Connery, but we don't see him. He's investigating the Grail, mm. even at this point. And what does he say? He says, "May he whom illuminated this illuminate me." Which, unless you're taking notes, I hadn't. We're going to come back to that later, but it's good. Um, also, we meet the villainous. There's a lot of setup and payoff in this movie. Okay, it's very good. Yeah, I wouldn't have spotted this. I wasn't making notes. Okay, uh, and then we meet the villainous Panama Hat, who gets the cross. Yeah. Now, does anyone else have a note here that if they hadn't killed Belloc in oh, yeah. Raiders, oh, this yeah. would have been so fantastic if it was Belloc? Yeah, it makes you miss him. Mm. But Belloc is the same age as him, isn't he? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. so it wouldn't quite worked. have worked. But, you know, I agree. There's a, there would have been a way. This would have been a lovely place to connect them up, mm. um, which is what I wanted because I told you I didn't want Belloc to die. Mm. Um and Fedora says to him, you lost today, kid, but that doesn't mean you have to like it. Mm, get used to it, in fact. Which is a lovely line. And then we cut to um, grown-up indie. And I think... Oh, go on. 
one of the biggest goosebumps. Remember, I watched them all in a row. I have watched them again because... Uh, because, <laughs> because beer on number two was not a smart move. Um, but uh, this was on the first watch, so a little bit of beer may have had a pronounced effect on me. But I, I remember having absolute goosebumps and scrawling in my notes. This was the biggest moment so far when River Phoenix's hat goes down and it raises again and it's Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, <laughs> it's so beautiful. But in terms of that childhood sequence, I feel like I've got to give some credit to Lucas here because he's the one who wanted it in there. and. I do believe he ruined a lot of Star Wars backstory with those prequels, but I think he got it just right here in terms of giving us this backstory, filling in these blanks that didn't need filling in. Mm. But I think it was just the right amount where it didn't sort of spoil anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yes, we're in Portugal. It's 1938. We're on a boat. Panama Hat is there. I guess you could have it as Belloc now. Forget the earlier guy. Yeah. This could be the Belloc moment. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mate, we aren't getting Belloc. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and I like the fact that they're fighting over the same cross because I can really get behind that kind of pettiness. <laughs> that Indy just hasn't let that lie. Can you? In all you, that time. Really? Uh, you think you could get behind that? That kind of pettiness? 100%. <laughs> I'm going to wait 20 years and I'm going to friggin' win. They don't say. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're in uh, Connecticut. Um, the retread of the Raiders scene in the classroom um, in which uh, Indiana Jones tells his students, X never, ever marks the spot. <laughs> That's going to come back. Is it? Um, I love his little office in a cupboard. And um, Why are all the students yeah. desperate to speak to him? My notes just say, are they in his office because he's hot? Because, right. Yeah, but that is it, isn't it? it? I, well, I, I, it's one of two things. Either they're all in love with him and mm-hmm. want some one-on-one time with him, nope. or he's a shit professor because yes. he's so preoccupied with archaeology exactly. that they're now like, we don't understand oh. anything he hasn't. Said. He hasn't marked any of their papers. They're all coming in with papers that need marking because he's just been in Portugal doing what we've just seen him doing. Oh, I see. There you go. I thought it was because he's fit. Yeah, of course she went straight there. I mean, he is. (laughs) Um, He receives a package from Venice and then he's taken to Walter Donovan (gasps) who shows him the Grail tablet. Oh, he's so good. So does this get a pass for you because it's exposition on a stone tablet, not a chalkboard? So, I have some thoughts. It is an exposition dump and I'm annoyed it doesn't happen at a blackboard simply because I've come up with a name for this kind of scene so I don't keep having to describe it. As the chalkboard scene, okay. Chalk talk. Oh, lovely. (laughs) Absolutely lovely. So uh, this is a chalk talk, but it happens over, as you say, a tablet. Um, And I mean, it's what we're getting used to in these films. It's a lot of information about a cup holding the blood of Christ, being the Holy Grail, three knights, three brothers whose job it is to protect the Grail and tell the tale, two markers left behind, tablet one of them, second in tune with the knight's brother in Venice. It's a lot. But it's yeah. good though. It's good in the way that in the way that Raiders is good because it's attached to real world stuff. It's yeah. attached to actual Christian history, history like events and Arthurian legends. So you're like, it's it's like a, a, a there is no way we would have the Da Vinci Code if it wasn't for moments like this in India because it's that idea of yeah. tying it to real world events <laughs> and suddenly validating it. So you feel like, is this is this true? Are we actually going on a real quest here? Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like there is a more elegant way of putting across all this information. But equally, because it's Indiana Jones and because we know there's going to be a huge action scene in about two minutes, I'm kind of okay with it. I think it's great. And I think it's almost a staple of the series now. Um, You know, I think it does it really well. It Actually, I I look forward to this moment, this exposition. Yeah, you're right, because then in number four, it comes too late. Mm. So you've you've found, you've got your eye in with where it comes in these films if you watch them in a compressed amount of time. And when you get to four, by the time you get to the cafe with Shia LaBeouf, it's too late, over it. I guess what I'm saying is I prefer 
prefer it when it's done on the move rather than people static standing in a room. No, 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 no. You stand still and you have the John Williams score, the ominous part of his score where it's like, this is scary stuff. There's real jeopardy here through these events and these words. Brilliant. So they're trying to find uh, the knight's tomb, but their project leader has vanished. Mm. Mm. This is where I love I love the script to this film. It's a great script. And this scene is an exam- a really good example of why it's a brilliant script. But obviously, in terms of your characters, it's such a dick move for Donovan to be like, our project leader, our project leader. Yeah, dad! Because obviously you open with, I have terrible news, your yes. dad's gone missing. But for a script to end on the mm. punch, to button the scene, it was your father. You're like, yay! Mm. It's, quite, it's quite a villainous thing to do. It's yeah. almost like the guy's a villain. Yeah! <laughs> Did you think he was a villain? when you Do you remember first watching it and knowing at this point whether he was a villain or I can't not. remember. I, I, I would remember. I would I would think not. No, I don't think I did no. either. I think no. Julian Glover is a brilliant Belloc Mark II yes. in this. He inhabits exactly the same kind of stratosphere that Belloc did. Yeah. And he's so good in this. Just the right side of like smarmy and slimy and actually downright evil. I think when I was eleven that's how old I was when I was watching this. Um, I think I trusted everybody at the time. I should have listened to Gonovan, who says, "Be be very careful. Don't trust anybody." He, uh, I think, is I think his American accent's really good in this, but apparently he wasn't happy with it because he's not American. He's I think English. It's good. Mm. So they are off to Venice. But before we go there, we're going to take a quick break. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And we're back in Venice uh, with Dr. Elsa Schneider, played by Alison Doody. Played by a woman. The joke there, she's a what? She's a woman? You're fucking kidding me. You I mean, wouldn't. I do remember being surprised in well, my first night. But you, you Very surprising. Can you imagine if, it, oh, I hope they don't do it in Indiana Jones, and they're like, it's Phoebe Waller-Bridge is a woman. Like, you can't, you can't do that now. It's not fair. Indiana Jones flirts with her. With Phoebe Waller-Bridge as well. She's just like, listen, I'm here for the money. So, okay, yeah. Can you believe it? She'll turn to camera and go, not again. Easy, uh, everyone. Sorry. Yeah. Back off. All right. <laughs> Indiana Jones flirts with her. She flirts back, but she keeps comparing him with his dad. I wonder why that is. <laughs> I, it's only when you sort of really paid attention. She does it four times. It's like they were telling you what was going on, but I guess you're not just, you're not thinking in those terms not that this would be nine, a possibility. No. Well, not when you're any age that, that she shagged his dad. It is gross. <laughs> it's, a, it's a shock on any level. I was oblivious at this point, and indeed later on, I was still very oblivious when uh, the talks in a sleep line where you know, I, I I remember hearing that and I know as a 10 year old that that went over my head yeah. because I remember thinking I think I actually went that's interesting that they share a room in the castle <laughs> <laughs> no no I got it by then no I didn't uh, so they head to a church slash library where guess what X marks the spot yay <laughs> set up payoff um, and they head into the tomb being chased by um, uh, some blokes in fezzes um the Ark of the Covenant's on the wall in a painting and we hear a snatch of that music. Yes. It's, and the line is so great where she goes, what's that? And he goes, the Ark of the Covenant. And she goes, you sure? And he goes, pretty sure. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> and they hit the rats. Uh, watching the behind the scenes footage of this, someone claims that the handlers gave birth to 2,000 disease-free rats. I don't think he meant that literally. I don't yeah. think handlers can give birth to rats. <laughs> wow. Um, oh, it's like the Queen Alien, just a rat handler <laughs> pumping out rat eggs. They're not eggs. Uh, um, now, I have a question. <laughs> You're supposed to like animals. Rat eggs? <laughs> rat eggs. Because uh, queen, the Queen Alien lays eggs. I just imagined a, a handler with a giant external fallopian tube just pumping out these rat eggs and then the rats hatching right. in, on, on cue, on, on set. <laughs> now, I have a question. Mm. Um are they wading through petrol mm. with naked flames? Because yes. uh, that bothered yeah. me a little bit this time. And I think it bothered me as a kid because he goes, it's petrol. Let's light a torch. Yes. yes. I mean, it's very, it makes me think of Zoolander when they're at the petrol station. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's that ridiculous because not only is he lighting, you know, flames in the petrol, he's then swimming, swimming through it petrol, and looking yeah. around. Yeah. I don't think you can do that in petrol. No. Um, but I guess we've got to suspend our disbelief. Uh, they find the knight's tomb um, with his story on the shield. Um, they escape into speedboats after blowing the place up. Well, first they run through Venice. Now, personally, uh, have you been to Venice? I have been to Venice. Right. So you, you've been to Venice, Yes, Chris? I have been to Venice. If I was eating outside at a restaurant in Venice mm. and a chase occurred through the dining area and knocked over my table... Venice is very expensive. That is about a 20 quid plate of pasta knocked over. I'd be livid. I think it's more than 20 quid. It even. probably is. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. But then, you know, it's Venice, isn't it? What I mean. It's 1938. It's probably about 50p. Yeah, but. Indiana Jones might force himself on you in a bit and then it's all fine, isn't it? So... <laughs> Let it go. <laughs> 
Come on, she hasn't, she hasn't picked it up yet. <laughs> um, but they escape onto speedboats, and Indy has a punch up uh, with one of the Fez guys on the back of a speedboat. Are we liking this action scene? I love it because because of the so in all Indiana Jones films, even in four, all the henchmen get brilliant deaths. So you're expecting the brother of the cruciform sword to get a brilliant henchman death in that propeller, and then mm. he doesn't, and that's brilliant at number three to sort of pull back from that. And this was in Chris Columbus's '85 script, and this was always also in the 1978 story conference that's how far back the idea was that um after the mine train they would escape onto speedboats and um lucas said the only thing i want to do with that and it's going to be hard to do is that he gets chased and they're firing at each other he gets into a harbor where all these big boats are and he races down in between two boats just as they're starting to close (laughs) so that was 11 years before he'd he'd already Stay. It's so good, but what sets up that that visual gag of the part of a speedboat emerging from the two boats is that wonderful line where it's, uh, are you crazy? Don't go between them. Yeah. Go between them. Are you crazy? Mm. She delivers that really well. So well. Yeah. And that propeller, the, going into the propeller was also in Chris Columbus's 85 mm. script. So as I say, they don't let a go an idea go unused, basically. Um which makes me think we'll see that mechanical arm. Um, we find out that these fellas are part of a brotherhood determined to protect the secrets of the Grail. So were they goodies who didn't deserve to die? Yeah, but that's what's good about... I mean, it's hard, isn't it? Because it's, it's hard to be critical of this film because they occupy like a neutral space. So they're not goodies, they're not baddies. They're going to get in his way. But then he's like, oh, do you know what? If you're on an honourable quest, you crack on kind of thing. Um so yeah, they occupy a new space in terms of the films so far and not being a traditional like goody or baddie, but I like it. They are trying to kill him though. Initially, yeah. and then they stop. When yes. he kind of explains what he's up to. Yeah, but at the point where he's sort of fended them fended them off. I mean, they're, they're very careful because they tend to kill themselves in the chasing indie process yeah. as opposed to him directly murdering them. Mm. So he hasn't really killed them and also they're trying to kill him. So it's fine. Indy's, Indy's hands are clean. Okay. Fair enough. And then we're heading to Austria, to Salzburg, to rescue his dad. At this point, did you not go, this is like Raiders, but the pace has been cranked up to it's 11. It's unreal. Like, it is, it, the action just, there's like 50 times more in it. Mm. Like, it just doesn't ever stop. It's really, really impressive. It's great. Uh, Indy borrows Elsa's French beret. Yeah. And does... A Scottish accent. See, my family is Scottish. And so when I was younger, this, I was rolling on the f- I thought this was so, so funny. <laughs> I've caught a wee sniffle. Yeah, brilliant. It's, it's, it's the way he says the word tapestries that, <laughs> that floored me. I'm not going to try it, but it's, it's bizarre. He's great. Yep. It's the first time you've seen Indiana Jones go full comedic. I'm going to go into this on Thursday's episode at the end, but the, um, the, the haunted house castle in that they came up with for the Columbus script is in Scotland and so there there is some crossover here Mm -hmm. Um, and as I say I think it might come up in Indy 5 but we'll get to that when we do Indy 4 so he locates his dad and then the movie turns into sort of the odd couple Mm -hmm. 50 minutes 50 minutes we've been having a hell of a time with this movie loving every second and they wait until 50 minutes to unleash their secret weapon they become this adorable double act you know it starts with his dad hitting him over the head Calling him Junior. He goes, Yes, sir. First he time does, you've been yeah. seen yes, Indy be deferential. <laughs> yeah. Yep. He says, Don't call me Junior. And then he murders four people and it's still funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then this dad goes, Look what you've done. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, Henry knew he had to get the book as far away from him as he could. <laughs> the, the Nazis show up. Do you think my son would be that stupid? <laughs> um, it's just joke after joke and they all land. 
Every single one. Every line out of Connery's mouth is absolute gold. So we're getting humour, but we're also getting his character development because he's suddenly this little boy desperate for his father's approval. Um, and then normality resumes quite quickly. So we have this moment where he seems like a little boy, but then he does pick up a machine gun and mows down a bunch of Nazis. And yeah. it's like, yeah, that's, mm. that's indie. <laughs> um, Henry, they get caught and Henry tells him that Elsa is a Nazi. Indy does not believe him. Um, Alex, you said you didn't get understand this at the I time. I did. I remember thinking that's a twist. I, it's a sleep. good twist. Yeah. Apparently, Connery improvised that um, as a joke for the crew and everyone laughed and they went, actually, hey, that's great. Let's keep that in. Yeah, because it makes sense because the conversation they have on the airship later feels like that's where it naturally was supposed to happen. Mm. But, um, but would you oh, would you have a conversation with your dad like that? Like, would you have a conversation with your dad where it's like I wouldn't do it in the first place. No, because when he's like, I was the you know I was the next man. It's like yo. Do you <laughs> do you mind it? Do you feel it, it tars like the film a little bit? This idea that they both had sex with the same woman. I don't think it's that. It's more that the conversation they have about it is really easy. It just mm. they don't seem freaked out by it mm. at all. I think it's because that acceptance that they both have of like, well, we are studs. So. Yeah, and that's weird as well. Like between a father and son, yeah. I just find that I don't know. I think because because. Because there's no element of them doing it behind the other's back or or, or two timing, it, I'm I'm okay with it. And I yeah. think it's because every time it's announced, it's done in a very funny way. Yeah. So yeah. You, it always like you're chuckling rather than going. Um, what? But our heroine is our villain. So a good time to ask, what did you guys make of Elsa as the love interest in this movie? I've met her. Did I tell you? No. What? Yeah. No. I never have a, a celebrity story, but I've been for a drink with her. Dude, yeah. I know. <laughs> She's, yeah. That was weird. I regret that, don't you? <laughs> Can we cut that, Blondie? Can't, can't we say Doody? And <laughs> staying in. So, yeah, Doody! <laughs> New catchphrase for the show. Forget I'm all in. It's now Doody! I've gone, I've gone red. So <laughs> quickly tell the story. Even his legs the have gone you, red. Yeah, there's no story that's better than what you just said. I was in Dublin. The people I were with knew her. I was introduced to her. I had a drink with her. I was really starstruck. She's really charming, really beautiful. That's that. Lovely. Any yep. Indiana Jones chat? No, because I was too I was too self-conscious to be like, tell me everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? Because, I mean, I, I, I can say it now because it was going to be my change and then I took it out of my change. But there is an argument for sort of the romance being overshadowed throughout this movie between Indy and her by his bromance with his dad. Yep. Um, but... Which is great. You start sort of chipping away at that and going, well, should she... Should they have more chemistry? Should he care about her more? Should there be more about their relationship? And I think anything that you come up with would dilute the relationship with his dad. So you sort of go, no, I don't think you would change much. I think we probably do need to talk about... Although, let's just do it now. I'll be quick. Mm. The... He's already... He does force himself on her in Venice, the kiss. That is a forced upon moment, right? But okay... I'll buy that just about, right? Because there's... Oh, the, no, do you know what? I'm not going to justify it. W whatever. Hmm. But later on, when he goes to get the book, he does throttle her. And that's not cool. Like, he grabs her by the neck and threatens to kill her. And so let's look at the progression of Indiana Jones and his women. <laughs> like, So he's gone from politely, let's call him a statutory rapist, to Temple of Doom. He's just shouting at this woman constantly because she's freaked out by everything that's going on. Mm. And then he does grab someone by the throat. And are you you know, this it sounds like an excuse, but they don't even have like a very physical relationship where you've seen that sort of physicality. I, I, I know what you're saying. And like looking at it very clinically, yeah, like he is literally in the middle of Berlin, surrounded by Nazis. Mm -hmm. And if she screams, 
he dies, his dad dies, the Nazis get the grail. But he's walking away and he turns around. No, and... no, he grabs her to stop her screaming so she can't alert the thousands upon thousands of Nazis that are there. I don't think, it, I think it's a very purposeful thing. Because okay. doesn't he say something like, you you, you try and scream and I'll squeeze? Mm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's, it's, it's to stop her making noise. I agree that it's quite jarring now through today's lens, but there's I don't a know. purpose I don't mind to it. Se- I don't mind seeing Nazis get throttled. Okay. I've never had a problem with it, but and this, I never will. But the film is saying because <laughs> no, I know, but the, the direction uh, of the film at that what, point—that's that's Vicky's problem. Her Aryan race that she's breeding. She's worried about any threat. Look, I'm just, if, unless it's a special occasion, don't grab me by the fucking neck, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday, Mark. <laughs> Let's move on. No. Um, well, I was going to say I like it because I think the progression's good in terms of Marion was the equal, Willie was the damsel in, dis- in distress, Elsa's the villain. I yeah. think it's cool that they've tried to reinvent it and I like the fact that she's a bit like him and that she goes out and gets what she wants yeah. whether it's a man or an artifact and she I doesn't you know, care by this point in the franchise your baddie is a woman about you good about time like why not and we discover, uh, as Alex said, uh, that Donovan is a villain around uh, this period. Yeah. Um, Do you not like the line when they're pulling away from the castle, actually, where he goes, he goes, Germany's declared war on the Jones boys. <laughs> I, that it's, line, a tra- it's a trailer line, isn't it? But, it's, <laughs> but that's why it works, because yeah. in the trailer, I remember hearing that in the trailer and going, their legend is now so big that the, <laughs> a country declares war on you. You're such an iconic person. Is it? Is it just me that's got a real weakness for, you know, when they're, they're talking to him and he t- he's talking about where Brody is mm. and he, he says that this section, he's got a two day head start on you, which is more than he needs. <laughs> he's got friends in every town and village from here to the Sudan. That section of script, just to geek out for two seconds, I am obsessed with. It's brilliant. It's brilliantly written, directed, acted. And the repetition of every, the rhyming with never, I just fucking love it. Mm. And I love the cut to Brody like stumbling well, through the market. The, the cut happens straight after he said, he'll blend in, disappear, you'll never see him again. And then Marcus is just being very British and lost and confused. It's just perfect. Um, <laughs> he once got lost in his own museum. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Obviously, they've they've changed Marcus Brody here. He was Indy's father figure. Now Henry Jones is in the picture. He can't be that anymore. Yeah. And so they make him sort of this figure of fun. That's one thing I'm not sure I like. I think it gets a bit jarring later. Yeah. He's just like the comic relief and it's too much because he has switched so much in terms of what his function is. Yeah. I do find it a bit irritating later, but it's like a minor thing. And it's nice to see Salah, although he's not given a lot a to lot do, to do no. in this film. No, but he has some very, very, very funny lines. In fact, possibly the funniest line towards the end but we'll get to it and then we're back in Austria um, lots of misunderstanding and physical comedy with the Jones boys being tied to each other and the revolving fireplace hmm. gag it's so who's that be- woman does she shout alarm or is there a word in German I don't know that woman who see, they, she sees them spinning around and she looks at them and then just screams at the top of her voice yeah. she's incredible <laughs> um, that spinning fireplace was possibly one of the greatest things I'd seen in a movie it's so it's <laughs> yeah. so brilliantly choreographed yeah. though it's so complicated um, the way those gags keep coming and it's just it's just wonderful and then they're out they're <laughs> this on... is so much better <laughs> uh, they're on a they're in a motorbike chase and um they get a lot of mileage simply from the way Connery looks at him with disdain. Oh, oh yeah, because <laughs> it's because it's, it's the it's it's the it's the two of them. So Indy grins to himself, having defeated some guy on a motorcycle. Looks to his dad for approval, and his dad just looks at him like, "I'm not impressed with that. Yeah. Why would you do that?" Uh, they shot that uh, in George Lucas's back garden. I mean, that that that's, was that's massive. <laughs> well, yeah, it's called it's called Lucas Valley. It's called Germany. It's huge. <laughs> uh, he jousts with a flagpole. 
Microbite jowls. Yeah. Uh, they reach a crossroads and they have to decide do they go to Brody uh, and the Grail or do they go for the diary, Venice or Berlin? And that's a funny little gag in itself that there's a signpost that yeah, says Venice and Berlin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they decide they need the diary uh, because it has clues uh, to make it through the three Yeah, traps. but also they decide they need the diary because Sean Connery can't remember what's in the diary, which in any other film you'd be like, well, that's a bit shit, isn't it? But in this, doesn't matter. Fine. It's fine. You can't remember who gets well, They make, it, they make a good joke out of it. I can't yeah. remember. <laughs> Uh, so they were into Berlin, uh, the Nazi rally you guys mentioned. Um, in the behind-the-scenes material, the costume designer reckons um, the uniforms that the actors are wearing are genuine and that he found them in Eastern Europe somewhere. Does that sound right? No. That they're just selling genuine Nazi uniforms in a shop in it's Eastern just Europe? It's easier to make them from America. <laughs> Do you know they... And he had enough for the whole cast? Is this something rang... sounds wrong to me about uh, that. I don't know. I think there's probably a, a fair few kicking around that part of the world. <laughs> um and Spielberg says that he felt uncomfortable asking all the extras to do the Heil Hitler salute. So he made them all cross their fingers behind their backs while they were <laughs> shooting it. Happy to do it to a monkey, though. Did the monkey cross its fingers? The monkey had no choice. Mm. It was The monkey was just grabbing at something. Yeah. We've established that. He was indoctrinated. Uh, books are being burned and Indiana Jones uh, comes face to face with Adolf Hitler in one of the film's best gags. It's a good gag. Yeah. Ooh, okay. No? You don't like it? Don't like it. Why? Uh, I'd like to save it for my change. I just okay. don't like it. Right. I really like Indy's face in this scene. It's good face acting mm. from Harrison Ford. <laughs> just the payoff of Hitler signing the diaries. I'll tell you why. Do you, right. do you remember that episode of Red Dwarf? <laughs> just can't, hold can't, hold it in. can't hold it in. I'll do it at the end. No, I'll do, now, the, I'll do the bigger bit at the end, but it just reminded me of that episode of Red Dwarf where they meet Hitler and I was like, that's that's funny and so I can't appreciate this. They've met, you've met Hitler in loads of different things. I know. All right. Is it uh, uh, time slides? Not personally. <laughs> time slides. Yes, it's, it's time slides. The Red Dwarf episode where yeah. photographs, old photographs, yeah, yeah, come yeah. to life. I think and it's like, it looks like the Lister, same actor. But Lister turns up next to him and starts making fun of him behind him while he's giving his speech. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good episode. I know. Hmm? Is it Mr. Bronson playing Hitler? Oh my God! It is it. I meant to check that. It looks a lot like him. I can't see. It. I think it is. Um, if we're doing celebrity stories, I once met uh, the actor who plays Mr. Bronson at a Dungeons and Dragons convention when I was uh, seventeen years old. Yeah, <laughs> he gave me some advice about breaking into the industry. Did he? Yeah, he really did. <laughs> Bless him. I mean, I did ask him. I was like, you know, I mean, I, I want to, you know, I want to be on the telly. I want to be on the telly. <laughs> and he was like, well, there's a book you need to be in called Spotlight. And I was like, oh, I don't know what that is, but I'll find out, Mr. Brunson. Mr. Brunson, <laughs> Mr. Brunson, should I do a podcast one day? <laughs> what you did to Danny Kendall was atrocious. <laughs> Yes, Michael Sheard. Yeah, that was Adolf Hitler. Uh, Just bought Christian Time. Exactly the amount of time I needed. It's perfect. Um, and then we're on to a Zeppelin. Um, a Zeppelin. Zeppelin. Where Indy's, a Zeppelin. Zeppelin. Indy's trying to bond with his father, which Vicky does not like. I do like. I, I, no, no, no. You don't like it. the sex talk. I just think the sex. No, no, I don't even mind the sex talk. It's just it's a weird tone that the sex talk is quite easy. Do you want me to make it weirder? Yes. Neither of them are wearing trousers in that scene. Are they wearing pants? They're wearing pants, but no trousers. Why? They're too hot. Connery was too hot. So he took his trousers off and Harrison Ford did the same. What a power move that is. I'm going to take my trousers off. You deal with it. Here we go. Oh, no. Oh, no. He actually did undo him. Alex. Um, Alex, put it away. Put it away, Alex. (laughs) Stop flapping it. Party 
time on the pod. I told you I was a fan of this episode. <laughs> um, listen, I do have a problem with this scene, though. I don't like the um, no ticket joke. No. Neither do I. That's nah, a good point. It yeah. really bothers me. It's always bothered me. I think it's the idea that it sort of makes a fool of Vogel um, and you'd think that throwing an SS officer out of the window on a, a Zeppelin... Um, <laughs> would raise the alarm somehow. Would, people yeah. wouldn't just go, that's mm. fine, you're I'll allowed you to do that as work. a waiter. Yeah, if he said it in German, um, mm. that would work because he'd be showing his education, he'd be showing how good he is at like, being mm. a sort of Bond spy, but he says it in English and you're just like, what, why would everyone be like, so who the fuck are you, by the way? Mm. So, no. But the line when they're doing their bonding, I love that bonding scene where Harrison for Indiana Jones is not getting what he wants from his dad and his dad mm. cares but doesn't quite care because you set up later when he thinks he's died. Mm. But the line where they more or less cut after him, she's so good, where he's like, he's kind of saying like, oh, it's not my fault. You left when you were becoming interesting. Mm, it's harsh. But <laughs> Imagine saying that to your son, but also saying it with like, so it's not my fault. Like, yes. Not a poly- Yeah, I thought it was amazing. Yep. Um, so uh, there's a lovely moment where they're in uh, they're in the aircraft. Mm. I won't say it again. And the shadows on the table <laughs> um, start moving, and they realise they're flying back to Germany. That's a very Spielberg moment. Yeah, it's great. Um, and so they take a biplane that's <laughs> just hanging around, um, and they end up in a dogfight. Uh, and Henry shoots the plane's tail. That's good. Um, the eleven o'clock where he's like eleven twelve and points out all that. I've heard like so. I watched that and I did go. Ugh. When I saw it this time, but I think that's because I've seen it so many times since then, and this was possibly the first time I saw someone going. It's actually half past three on the watch, <laughs> but I do like it when he says, oh, "Son, I'm sorry they got." <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's great. It's good delivery from Sean. Uh, let's steal a car. There's a fun moment with a crash in a tunnel with a plane coasting by them. Yeah, I mean, why does the pilot fly into a tunnel though? Mm. It's a great visual gag, but it's like an insane thing to do. And they head down to a beach where Henry saves the day by running at some seagulls with an umbrella. <laughs> it's it's a, the whole sequence. I think is brilliant in that it, it does this thing that Indiana Jones does so well, which is balancing humour and thrills because mm. uh, it's hard to do. I think, and it's just as exciting as it is funny. Yeah, I mean, the best bit in it is where Sean Connery goes, "People are trying to kill me. It's a new experience." And Ferris Moore goes, happens to me all the time. You're like, oh, there's both their characters in one wonderful exchange. And then we're in the Republic of Hatai and we meet the Sultan. Did you recognise the Sultan? Alexi that's quite Sale. Weird. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's weird. Um, and then we're into a big friggin' chase involving tanks and camels and horses. Mm. Um Indy shoves a rock into a tank's gun barrel. That's from the eight, that's, that. that's that's from the eighty five script. Chris Columbus wrote that one. Disproportionately love that. I don't know why. It just mm. looks really satisfying. Yep. Uh, and then uh, we get this Vic Armstrong stunt where he jumps oh. off a horse onto a tank. Alex, I know you're a fan of this stunt mm. as you recently spoke about it on your new podcast, Just the Facts. Oh, thank you for mentioning my new podcast, Just the Facts, <laughs> on, the, on the Dexter Zane. Fletcher episode. You talked uh, about episode it. one, yeah, only launched the other day with Dexter Fletcher. We were talking because he worked with Vic Armstrong on Eddie, Eddie the Eagle, Eagle. Yeah. and so we ended up talking about it. If you would like to have a listen to my new podcast, Just the Facts with Alex Zane, you can find it. We've done it now. Apple, Spotify. <laughs> I've done it now. Um, anyway, Vic Armstrong talks about that being um, one of the, his favourite stunts that he's ever done, and also one of the most dangerous because he uh, horses naturally. Um, stop when you let go of the reins and to have a horse carry on running oh. alongside the tank as he let go of the reins to jump onto the ho- um, tank uh, is uh, it was quite difficult. So he's really proud of it. Yeah, they had to build that ridge that he rides up and then he said that it's so... Um, his, his autobiography is really interesting. He talks about it in there. It, it's, it, it, 
if he's too far, he won't make it onto the tank. But if he's too close, the horse might fall off the ledge right. and die. So it's it, he said he had to. What he did was he put rocks all along the edge of the ledge so this horse wouldn't go too near to them. And then he put pegs on the side of the stirrups so that he'd have something to leap off when he jumps. Oh wow! And that's how he made the jump. And it's perfect. An 18 foot lateral jump. It's amazing. Wow. Yeah. And yet, when you sort of watch it in the context of a chase, you're like, hey, Indy's just jumped onto a tank. And you have to sort of take yourself back from it and go, holy shit, actually, that must have been fucking yeah. terrifying. <laughs> and so we've got Indy hanging off the side of a tank. Um, Indy fighting. <laughs> Do you know the bit that bothers me most about that? It's not the fact that he's being hit with a spade by a Nazi. It's, it's not the fact that, you know, he's going to potentially be driven into a rock face. It's all the gravel going down his neck and shirt. I'm just like, oh, that would be awful. And if you watch the behind the scenes, it's just a line of British blokes with little little tubs of, of soil just dropping it on top of him as he goes by. <laughs> That's how they created that effect. It's like 20 blokes all standing there dropping soil on him. Um, he fights Nazis on top of a tank and they go under the treads, which is from the Columbus script in 85. Um, and then it looks like Indiana Jones has died mm. falling off a cliff. <gasps> oh God, I've lost him and I never told him anything. I just wasn't ready. Five minutes would have been enough. Would it? Would five minutes have been enough? No. Um, is that not a gag of some description? I don't think he so, because only... he's so serious. Yeah, I, don't, I wondered. I just, that's why it's, it's weird. It's a weird line, but I don't think it is a joke. I thought no. it was like a compliment to his son that actually he knows so much. I only needed five minutes more to fill in the blanks that he didn't know. Or maybe it was like, I've told him everything, but I thought he was alluding thing to that I love fact. you. Or... Yeah, I love yeah, you. Yeah, I love you. I think yeah. he was saying, well, I need to tell him the really important stuff would only take five minutes because, and maybe the reason I haven't done it is because I've over... Uh, I've overthought it and that's why I haven't sat down to talk to him because I think it will take forever but actually the really crystal clear important stuff is I love you and that takes no time mm. and while he's mourning his son's death um, Indiana Jones joins them so funny it's such a good joke it's such a good joke and then the embrace that they share is genuinely touching mm. but also because it's still sad because his dad is so pleased to see him, he's not died, and all he says is "well done," rather than saying, "Oh, I was, I just yeah. need five minutes now Didn't to tell you everything." No, no. But that's because the embrace changes from him being overwhelmed by seeing him again to him then remembering who he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then we're in the home straight at the Canyon of the Crescent Moon, the resting place of the Holy Grail. Um, this is all very much from the 85 script where one bite from the Garden of Immortal Peaches gives you immortality. And they even say same speeches where they're talking about Nazis can save the world, but Donovan doesn't care about that. He wants everlasting life. Is it just peaches or is there a variety of fruit there? And if you pick the wrong fruit... You die immediately. Like if you had a banana, it's like, no. oh, you age really no, quickly. No, a nectarine, because that's like a posh peach. Oh, there you go. There you go. There you no, go. I'm afraid that's all. That's all new. Mm. Um, Donovan shoots Henry in the stomach. Now he needs the grail for its healing powers. Uh, they said that was a tricky decision uh, when they were writing that. They were quite worried about shooting Henry in the stomach. They thought that that would upset people too much. Wow. Okay. Why? And what's... Uh, I'm sorry, I'm confused. Just thought it would be too shocking. <clears throat> oh, Okay. It's all right, Alex, we're getting to your favourite bit now. We're into the does test. Donna, the... Does Donovan not age 200 years in about 10 seconds? <laughs> <laughs> Alex, we're into your bit. We're into the test of the traps. Yay! Um, 
do you want to do the first one involving the breath of God, Alex? Because I know you like to do it all the time. You never shut up about it. A penitent man, a penitent man, a penitent man, a penitent man, a penitent man. Why do you say it all the time, though? I don't know, because how does it ever come up? Because you're not penitent in any way. No, we're just in the pub and Alex will start saying it. I'm like, what is this about ordering drinks? It just comes out. It's always lovely to hear. What I hadn't noticed until this watch, though, is that a penitent man doesn't just kneel before God. A penitent man kneels and definitely then rolls immediately. Oh God, what, why do penitent men do that? <laughs> if he just knelt, he'd be chopped in half. Yeah, yeah it's the, fa- the phantasm discs are nearly killing him. Uh, so that's that one. Uh, the next one is the word of God. Only in the footsteps of God will he proceed. Can um, I just add a little nitpicky script thing here just because I noticed it and I thought it would have been good? So you know the, the setup with River Phoenix at the beginning when he walks in to see his dad, his dad says, not now, let's take a minute, uh, do you Greek numbers? And so he starts reciting Greek numbers. Would it not have been better if it was do your Latin alphabet? Oh, great. Yes. It would, it would, Vicky, and that should be your change. Yeah, if you're um, listening, James Mangold, I live near Yorkshire, so I can pop up any time and help you out on number five. So he has to, he has to step on the letters that make Jehovah, but in Latin, Jehovah starts with an I. At this point, it feels a bit like we're watching 1980s tea time game show Nightmare. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I have one really, and this is such a petty problem, but when he falls through the J, mm. he grips on to the letter in front of him to pull himself back up. Well, and that, shouldn't and that letter would not have been the right letter. And so that should have crumbled should have as well as and well. he should have fallen. You're right. Don't care about that one. Yeah. Vicky's was better. No, Vicky's was better. I'm just saying, it's a, I, I, I prefixed it with this is petty, but it always annoys me. So I'm saying it. You know, it's a, We're all friends here, right? It's a Third forum. test. No. no. Yeah. <laughs> Third test. Path of God. Only leap from lion's head will he prove his worth. So it's the leap of faith. He must believe. He holds his heart, shuts his eyes, steps out. Unfortunately, it's a bit like a goose step from a Nazi. That's true. Which is unfortunate. I think it is a shame they linger on the foot. Like he should, yeah, it should be quicker. But this yeah, is my favourite. because I don't like his shoes. <laughs> no, of course you because they're worn out. Yeah. I, th- I loved this bit as a child. I remember seeing this for the first time and I had no idea what was going to happen and I thought he was going to fly. And I think it's a nice... For, it's the third test um, that I think it works thematically because all the indie movies seem to be about leaps of faith mm. that comes up time and time again throughout the series mm. um, and it's cool yeah so it's a path made of rocks designed to look like what's below which is really clever ILM created that it's amazing yeah really good and it's effect. so satisfying when he scatters the pebbles so you can then see it mm. properly and mm. it's really like daring do like Hansel and Gretel breadcrumbs like how you're going to get back and yeah. it's like that's such a good idea mm. uh, and then he finds the 700 year old knight um, this confused me when I was a child I thought he was a ghost but he's not is he no he's no. 700 years yeah. old because no, he's drunk from the grail played by Robert Edison I don't know if it's true. It's one of those un- uncorroborated stories, but there was, I remember them saying that they wanted Laurence Olivier for it, but he was too ill at the time. But that would have been interesting. And mm, would have. I love it, and I do love it, and I'm almost regretful to say it, and I think it's mainly because it's about the Holy Grail, but there's an ever so slight soupçon <laughs> of Monty Python yeah, and the Holy Grail about this bit. It's just the way he's like, oh, 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 and he and falls, falls backwards. backwards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I just, every time I see it, I try and go, don't, don't think it, don't think that. Cause if you think that it's like Ray summoning the marshmallow, man, it's like, I'm just like, don't, don't visualize my whole Monty Python, and the Holy Grail. And I do. Uh, Donovan and Elsa appear and they must choose. Uh, true Grail will give life, false will take away. Did you see the setup for this earlier in the castle where Elsa tells uh, Vogel not to kill them and Donovan agrees with her and goes, 
Always do what the doctor orders. Yes. Uh, nice. This bit. Uh, Elsa chooses a beautiful cup worthy of Christ, the cup of the King of Kings, and Donovan yeah. drinks. Give it to someone else first, Donovan. Yeah. Let someone <laughs> just go. Are you sure? Because I might let Indy drink from it first just to double check. Yeah, I, I, feel, I feel like he is wants to be the only one who gets immortal life, though. Mm. I think that's why he doesn't get someone else to test it. Mm. But you're right. You're right. Um, and he starts ageing, doesn't he? It's so scary. It's awful. I, I, it's up there with um, the Nazis melting faces. I think it might be worse. For I me. do too. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> and because she's because she's screaming her head off yeah. as well. Yeah, I think it is scary. Mm. It's because he lunges for her. Like even as he's rotting he's and dying, hell, yeah. he's like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and take you with me." <laughs> yeah. So he he rots and um, his skeleton is dashed against the wall and he turns to dust. And that's exactly how it plays out in the 85 script with the peach. Mm. Uh, but he dies because his heart wasn't pure there rather than drinking from the wrong cup. That's the difference. And but... then the knight has possibly one of the greatest put downs in cinema, <laughs> cinema history. He chose poorly. <laughs> no fucking kidding. <laughs> Indy picks the plainest cup, the cup of a carpenter, fitting as Harrison Ford was a carpenter. And uh, he downs it. He chose wisely, but the grail cannot pass beyond the great seal. That Which, is the boundary and the price of immortality. Like, Sorry, what, rules at this point? I don't think so. <laughs> but again, just like, oh, sure, fine, no problem. Because I remember coming out of the cinema, age 10, having seen it and not really picking up on, on that and yeah. thinking that this is amazing news. They can just make an infinite amount of indie movies because Indy and his dad are now immortal. Oh, oh my you. God, you were an absolute idiot. <laughs> oh, it's, that's cute. I was just so excited at the idea of them being a never-ending franchise. <laughs> well, and yeah. guess what? That's what's happening. <laughs> and you were right. Yeah, I mean, I, obviously this was we're a long way from Kingdom and the Crystal Skull at that point. Uh, he heals his dad's wound and then Elsa gets that look in her eye that we've seen before in Indiana Jones movies. Um, she passes across the seal and the earth starts opening up and she falls in trying to grab at the cup. Well, if you watch very carefully, the grail hasn't fallen into the chasm and Elsa dives for it and whangs it straight <laughs> into the chasm. She's not, I mean, they've got, clearly gone, so you need to knock it just into the chasm, but she's not Bosh. even close. She just goes, whang! Oh, it's interesting to say that because they, they do talk about how impossible they found shooting that scene with the gimbal and getting it all right. It was a real uh, problem, so maybe it was just yeah, like... That's just, the best of a bad bunch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she gets that look in her eyes, but Indy gets that look in his eyes as well. He starts doing the same. He wants the cup suddenly. Yeah. But his dad convinces him to stop. Indiana calls him oh, Indiana for the first time. Brings goosebumps oh, yeah. on. Indiana, let it go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's... So first of all, let it go. Elsa, Frozen, Connection. Mm. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> you two won't know that. You haven't seen Frozen. But uh, you have. Yeah, I like every, the song. Everyone's nieces out there. That was for you. Um, tenuous at best. But the thing is, so I know you know this already, but I'm just going to be the one to <laughs> go on about it. Him telling him to let it go. Obviously, he calls him Indiana for the first time ever. Mm. But on all these levels, he's saying, let it go. Like, I am letting go of the past to save you, which is what I didn't do when you were small because... His son has said to him, you ignored me my whole childhood for relics. Mm. So this most important relic of, his, of Sean Connery's whole life is in front of him. Let it go. And he's also saying you need to let go of those feelings of resentment because it's done, it's dealt with. And literally let this cup go mm. because and, and I love you. <laughs> Like if you look how close his fingers are to it, he probably could have got probably it. Could have had he it. probably could have got it and had everything that you just said and the grail. Yeah. But they found each other. And so the ending has nothing to do with the grail at this point mm -hmm. as well. So um, 
They come out, they leave uh, the building, and Henry says... Wait, what have oh. we done? The night waving at this the, point. No, sorry, I've got... The night waves <laughs> right. as the temple starts to collapse around him. <laughs> so Hi! I'm, I, I, so what happens to that night? Because obviously... He wants he, to die, though, doesn't but he? But he's no... But the temple... His bit of the temple isn't collapsing, it, it appears. He's still there. So he's now trapped immortal without even a grail to protect it, it, I think he's waving at that point as in like I'm 700 years old come and help me <laughs> kill, kill me, me out of kill here me now. and I think Indy's just like Indy's just like no because Indy is the one who goes no dad come on let's go I think it's because he's like, I've met that guy. <laughs> he's a fucking nightmare. He also, Idiot. he will let you poison yourself and only then tell you that you've poisoned yourself. So we should just leave him. Come back, you bastards. <laughs> uh, so they get outside and Henry says he's found illumination. Oh, yeah. So earlier he'd said, may he who illuminated this illuminate me. Yep. That is him. So he's found illumination. Indy's found his dad and the Joneses have learned to love and respect each other. And that's when the music starts. So good. Uh, We learn that his name is Henry Jones Jr. This is Salah's best moment where he goes, the dog. (laughs) (laughs) You're named after the dog. And then he pisses himself. He loves it. Salah pisses himself. (laughs) And then that's it. We get silhouettes of them riding off into the sunset. And the credits roll. How did you feel about that? Four men having succeeded. <laughs> <laughs> Riding up into yeah. the sunset. It is weird Job to look done. at. <laughs> what doctor? She was never a doctor. No, she was a woman. Could you believe that? <laughs> so, should we do the bit? It almost ruined the end of it for me. I was like, I bet Vicky's picked up on that. Four men. Off they go. Happy as Larry. Yeah. <laughs> if you want something doing. <laughs> it feels like the right ending, though. Doesn't it? Does. Alex. It feels great. It feels right. <laughs> Something about it. It is not my change. Uh, <laughs> more men is my change. Well, in terms of favourite scene, um, my favourite scene is them riding off into the sunset. Oh, off onto their next adventure. I just remember thinking this is such a perfect ending to this trilogy. I'm so I'm sad we'll never see another Indiana Jones movie, but equally I'm happy that this is how it ends because this feels perfect. Mm. Um, Vicky, what's your favourite scene? Other puzzles, uh, because as a child, this was just the right amount of intrigue. Like they're not complicated, but they are scary. And also, again, the henchman that goes first for the breath of God, he scared me to death when I was little because he looks terrified. Um, and that, so that just sold the whole thing. And then the leap of faith. I love the hand on the heart and the, and what that means. And just when that path appears out of nowhere, it's my favourite bit by a million miles. <sighs> Ditto, same as Vicky. It's um, it's what indie is absolutely all about. It's about puzzle solving in life and death situations, like reading from a little book. Like it's this is it's it's Indiana Jones. So yeah, the puzzle solving in the temple at uh, life or death. Vicky, uh, what would you change? We're not doing MVW. What is who is your MVW, Vicky? <laughs> so I'm going to give it to Harrison Ford this time because I haven't done the other two times. It's not going to be the next time. So Harrison Ford, because the character that is so well established, we now get another layer of complexity, which is seeing the boy becoming a man and trying to prove himself to someone who appears not to care. And to add that layer to that character, he does really well. And I have to give it to him at some point. So. Alex, see, I planned better, Victoria. I know, I know you, did. you totally screwed up, didn't you? Because uh, I gave it to Indy on um, 
Which one was it? Well, either way, I've already given it to Harrison Ford, which frees me up to give it to the genuine MVW <laughs> of this uh, film, which is Sean Connery. No questions asked, 100%. Chris? Sean Connery. There you what go. What can I do? Uh, just do it better. Mm. Right. Plan do ahead. The, do the podcast better. Uh, <laughs> do the podcast better. <laughs> um, Alex. And now Chris and Alex ride off into the <laughs> Alex, if you could change anything. Uh, do you know what? Honestly, I, I genuinely struggled with this. I think along with Aliens and Jaws, this may be one of the most perfect films we've done on the podcast. Um, I mentioned earlier about the Indian Elsa relationship and maybe beefing that up a bit. Um, but then I thought about the expense of, you know, losing Indy and his dad. So I've got this. When the Nazi soldier is crushed by the wheels of the tank, I want a stripe of blood like yes. on the rock crusher. <laughs> like on the rock crusher in I Temple thought of that. Why not do a callback to and that? And a splat of blood in the, on the plane in Raiders. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Vicky. I don't think we need to go to Berlin and see Adolf Hitler. Um, I think retrieving the diary is a little bit of a distraction and it's it's there so we go and see Hitler because I suppose by this point you've had the Nazis once and so you've got to really pay it off with your ultimate uh, big boss baddie. But if we are going to go to Berlin, I think we need more of a caper when we get there. So they arrive and very easily he finds Elsa and very easily takes the book off her and then he's gone. So maybe, although it would make the film too long, a bit more of a set piece where something happens rather than just mm. following a woman down a stone walkway or whatever yeah. and strangling her. <laughs> yeah, for, for good reason. Um, <laughs> uh, my change is I'm not as big a fan of Donovan as you guys are. And I think the movie could do with having some kind of backstory with him that connects to the present. And I might even put him in the office at the start with Henry Jones arguing about the grail. Um, because he's friends with Henry. Mm. Yes. And so I just think like it could be more joined up with him. Okay. Um, and it would make him a more compelling villain because right now I find him a bit bland because I don't really know who he is. Mm. I don't really get a sense of who this guy is. Interesting. Also, I have got one other one, which is the best one. Go. Cast Tom Selleck as Federer. Federer? Fedora. Not Roger Federer. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would have been a really lovely thing to do. And I think it would have been funny as well. Yeah, yeah it would have been brilliant. That would have been good. Yeah. That would have been good. Okay. We're done. Are we doing a quiz, Chris? Yeah, why not? All right. Um, because so many characters in this franchise are named after dogs, mm. today we're doing a canine quiz. Okay. I'll give you the description. <laughs> you tell me the dog. I literally know no dogs. <laughs> you look, just, it's not even like it's not even me saying, "Oh, I hope that animal's okay." It's just, he just said dogs, and you went, "Oh, dogs." Because you know loads about dogs. I, don't, I really don't. Yes, you do. I don't. I know that they need feeding and watering and like walking, and that's it. All right. I'm going to give you the description. You give me the dog. Are, are we allowed to say big or small? Is that a type of dog? Some of these dogs are real, and some of them are fictional. Oh, okay. So, who was the first dog in space? Lyca. <laughs> That's correct. Right. That's I know. Correct. I know. You could have said you could have said small or big, but it wouldn't have been correct. <laughs> I, actually, that was a medium dog. So that's what. Yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna look at you when I say the questions, so we can try. Why? And connect, that's intimidating. To try and connect with you. Well, I'm trying to read your mind. Like Kate Blanchett, watch out. Like a hive mind. <laughs> oh, full what, circle. What was the name of the dog in Frasier? Um, fuck Spike. No, Eric. It was oh, close. Close. That's close. Ernie. That's really close. <laughs> he's he's going crack. Eddie. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> Did you know that all along? <laughs> Fuck off. Um, what was the controversial name of the yellow Labrador in Downton Abbey? 
oh, I don't know, fucking Adolf Hitler. <laughs> Hitler. Stalin, Hitler. It became controversial after the show was on air because it became a thing. Um, um, uh, I think it's named after a Greek god, but it also got that name got used elsewhere. Dionysus. I mean, just the last three, four letters of that Zeus. would work. Isis. So, Correct. <laughs> oh, shit. I mean, I literally told you the last four letters of that. And while, I had said, I know nothing about it. Was, that wasn't it, about dogs. Was, <laughs> he said, say the end of Dionysus. I and I did, it. yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I think it's a Y, but nevertheless, Alex That's figured it out. because I know how to fucking spell that. <laughs> who is the Sky Terrier who reportedly guarded his master's grave for 40 grave years? Grave Bobby! <laughs> Yes. <laughs> no, it's wrong. No, it's right. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, Why do you know that? It's, it's a beautiful. It's, it's a beautiful. It's a famous story. Okay. The statues in Edinburgh. Disney made a film about it. Right. Good. Uh, what is the name of the Simpsons dog? Uh, Santa's little helper. Ah, oh. correct. Um, and what was the name of Cliff's dog in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Oh, Mutt. I'll tell you what it wasn't. It wasn't called. Brad Pitbull. <laughs> See what I've done there? It's yeah, got yeah. a really brutal name. No, it hasn't. Is it not? No, it's got quite a nice name. Cuddly Monkey. <laughs> it's Cuddly Steve. Monkey. Right. <laughs> Steve. Um, no, the answer is Brandy. Oh, okay. Uh, Alex wins, but yeah. I do want to tell you my tiebreaker because okay. back in the mid-1990s, my mates and I were in the same pub as a young soap opera actor in Croydon and we kept asking him where his fictional dog from the telly was. Uh, we asked him so many times that he eventually left the pub. What was, <laughs> what was the name of that dog? What was it, he in? He was in a soap opera, an English soap opera, and he had a dog. And he, was, he lived in Croyd. And we ca- it, you'll know the name of the dog. It was a stupid name. The only dog... Oh, Thingy! Yeah. Oh, fuck! He's called, like, Bulls... Bulls, I know, it's Thingy's dog! Yep. Fucking hell. He's what called... was the name of Robbie Jackson's dog in yeah, EastEnders? Yeah. He was called, like, Bullseye, or... No, it's worse than that. Bald Patch. No. It was Wellard. Yes! <laughs> I think I remember that. Um, do you know what the lighthouse keeper's dog was called in Fraggle Sprocket. Rock? Yes! Well done. Because <laughs> we like dogs. Yep, we do. Uh, do you know, I thought it was going to be a question about breeds of dogs. That's mm. why I was so on it at you. And you still lost. Yeah. <laughs> a moment of relief tempered by utter failure. All right then. So, moving on from the quiz, <clears throat> which I won't. I am giving you a clue now. We're moving away from Indiana Jones, or we will be doing next week. Obviously, Thursday is still to come when we're talking about Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. But looking ahead to next week, here is your clue for next week's movies. Too much TV is bad for your health. That's the clue for next week. Too much TV is bad for your health. Too much TV can be bad for your health either or. Um, so that's your clue for next week's movies. Uh, in the meantime, like I said, Thursday, yeah, we're going there. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. In the meantime, please subscribe, rate, and indeed review us if you have the time. It's a great help. And check in with us on Twitter and Instagram, where we are at ClashPod. Thank you for listening. Back on Thursday. Bye-bye. This was a Stack Production and part of the Acast Creator Network.